We're building our whole life on Jesus. Come on, you may be thankful today, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. All right, what up, people? You guys good? <laughs> awesome. Um, if you're not good yet, you're going to be good. Tonight is going to be good. And so, like Chad said, if you haven't thought about coming to Red, I just want to encourage you that um, I don't believe that God wants to stop somewhere in our lives, that he's brought you to where he's brought you, and then he's like, well, that's good enough. So proud of the work I've done in them. That he actually wants more for you, that he actually has a calling on your life that he hopes to empower. And, and we are asking God to do more. We are asking him to, to um, open up our eyes to move in a way that he hasn't moved in, in our church before, in our people group before, in our cities before. Um, he wants to do that. That's who he is. And so um, have expectancy with us if you're not coming. And if you are coming, have expectancy with us. Um, I'm so looking forward to it. And so I would love for everybody to be there. Um, come. It's, you won't regret it. It's going to be amazing. And so um, we are in a series called Colossians, Colossians 1, 2, 3, and 4. If you have not gotten a, uh, a, like a Bible study, go get one. We've got them for you. Um, we want you to have them and take them home and give them to your friends. If you have people in your life that don't know Jesus or are 20-somethings that are on the fence about who Jesus is, give them a Bible study. I mean, we, it's like 20-somethings that, well, I'm not 20-something, but it's 20-somethings that are writing about the Word of God, and, and, and it's relatable and easy to read, and, and it helps, man. And so grab a couple. Like, we don't care. Like, this is what they're for. They're for sharing. We believe in sharing like toddlers do. And so um, last week, uh, two weeks ago, we talked about where we place our hope. Uh, if you missed that, go back and listen to it. Doug talked about where we place our hope based on um, scriptures that Paul talks about in Colossians. Last week, we talked about um, Christ in us and us in Christ, that we are in Christ and he is in us, that he is in us and we are hidden in him. And then Paul kind of, uh, he, he continues talking about this fullness that we find in Jesus, this fullness that we find in ourselves. And then he says this, and this is our scripture for tonight. This is our verse for tonight um, and that we are going to delve into. It says, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Everybody say, I've been raised. Set. Everybody say set. Your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Say, we got courtside seats now. It's awesome. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Our minds, our thoughts, they have immeasurable power in our lives and in our destinies. Do you know that? Our thoughts, our thought life have immeasurable power in our lives and in our destinies. And Paul is writing about the fullness and the completion of, of Christ in us. And then he says, because you are now seated with Jesus, because you are now seated with him and you are raised with him, he says, get your thoughts where he is. Raise your thoughts to his level. Set your minds. On any given day, you and I will have 70,000 thoughts on any given day. And some of those thoughts are awesome. They are Christ-like. They are good. They are positive. But just by the sheer number of them, 70,000 is quite a lot, um, some of them are not going to be great. They are going to be, as Paul said, worldly. They are going to be uh, lowly. They are going to be earthly. And, um, you know, as Joyce Meyer says, some of us in here, we have stinking thinking. We have areas of our thoughts that are not um, godly. 
They, they stink. They're not good. And um, tonight I want to preach to you a message about your mind. Because either you will drive your thoughts in this life, you will drive them towards things of Christ, and you will drive them towards your identity of, in Christ, or your thoughts will drive you. It will be one or the other. Either you choose to direct your thoughts or your thoughts will direct you. Your thoughts will set you up or you will set your thoughts. It is one or the other. And tonight I want to talk about our minds. And so I just have a simple question for you. And it's what's your state of mind right now, young adult? What's your state of mind? What's taking up your brain power? What's your worries like right now? What's keeping you up late at night right now? What is the area of your mind that you keep returning to again and again and again and that gives you anxiety and frustration? What is it? What is your state of mind tonight? Because I think God wants to change it tonight. And so can you turn to your neighbor and say, my mind's all set. Can you just say, my mind's all set. That is the title of our sermon Let's ask the Holy Spirit to be here. Holy Spirit, we thank you. God, we, uh, we give you permission to be here. I give you permission to be here. In Jesus' name, I ask that tonight people would move from death to life, that they would experience renewal, nothing less than renewal in their minds, that you would set some people, that you would set this room free from our um, insides, from our inner man to our outer man. I'm believing it, and we receive it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right, how many of you have an overactive imagination? <laughs> wow. You were like, daring. you're like, yes, <laughs> Harry Potter every day. Um, uh, Having an imagination is a wonderful thing. Um, so many awesome things can come from our imagination. Our dreams can come from our imagination. Um, our, our, our vision from God can come from our imagination. But in Corinthians, Paul talks about the fact that our, our imagination sometimes gets hijacked. That's why he says we cast down imaginations because sometimes your imagination gets hijacked. And instead of you driving your imagination and giving it to Jesus, sometimes your imagination drives you. And when it does that, it sometimes takes you to not so good places. Um, when I was a few years back, we were fairly newlyweds, John and I, and we were going to Lake Powell with a bunch of friends. And if you guys don't know what Lake Powell is, it's like the Grand Canyon is full of water, kind of. And um, not as big as the Grand Canyon, but kind of. And, uh, and you take a houseboat and you tube and you ski and you rock climb and it's so so fun but at night you sleep on top of the houseboat and like sleeping bags and stuff so you can look at the stars and so we're laying up there and we're sleeping and this boat it's like 10 o'clock at night and this speedboat drives by blaring music and 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 just like just I don't even know what the song was but it was kind of like eerie in the canyon you know what I mean and it was like you know and I'm laying there and I'm just kind of like weird that they're, oh, what are they doing? And nobody else is around, right? It's like our houseboat, this weird speedboat, and that's it. And, uh, and everybody's sleeping. My husband's sleeping. And, and, um, but it comes, it's 11 o'clock. It comes by again. It's like, and I'm just kind of like, this is so weird. Like, what are they doing? It's 12 o'clock, right? They do it again. Everybody on the houseboat is sleeping except for me. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. And all of a sudden, I get a thought. And I'm like, they're doing recon on our boat right now. <laughs> I know it. 
right? And I, and I wake up, John, and I'm like, babe, 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 I think something's up. Do you hear this? And he's like, I don't hear what? I don't hear anything. And I'm like, babe, I go, what's the emergency channel in case we need to get out to people? And he's like, it's 16. He's like, but you can't get out from here. We're like in the back of the channel. You're not going to be able to get out. And I was like, okay. He falls back asleep. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> I gotta get right, and so so he falls back asleep, and I'm like terrified, and um, I'm laying there, and finally they come by one more time, and it's like, and I'm like, I know what they're looking for. They're looking to see if we have guns, and when they realize we don't have guns, they're gonna get on the boat and they're gonna capture us and take all of our loot. Now, granted, I had just seen Captain Phillips, and so, um, but I was like, sure, right? And so, and so this thought, I don't know where it came from, but instead of uh, taking it captive, this thought came into my mind, and I just let it sit there, and then I let it grow. And so I ended up waking up John, and I'm like, babe, 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 I need you to come downstairs with me. And he's like, all right, you know, he's my husband, and he's so sweet. And so he comes downstairs, and I'm like, all right, I got a plan. I got a plan. I'm like, I'm going to hide because I'm little. When they get on the boat, I'm going to hide because I'm small. I know where all the good hiding spots are. And when they capture all of you at the front of the boat, and he's like, wait, when they capture us? I'm like, yes, babe, some sacrifices have to be made. This is war. And when they capture all of you, I'm going to quietly get on the speedboat. I'm going to untie it, push it off, and I'm going to idle out into the channel to, so I can call for help. I'll come back. I'll save us all. It's going to be great. And, and I was like, you feel me? And he's like, oh, I'm going to bed. And I was like, right, 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 right. So he goes back upstairs, and that night I did not sleep a wink. I mean, I was just, oh, have you ever had your thoughts run so wild that they keep you up all night? Have you ever let your thoughts take you for a ride? That, that they absolutely overwhelm you and they steal your sleep from you? My thoughts that night, they were driving me. I was not driving my thoughts. They were setting me up. I was not setting my mind. And Paul says very clearly, he's like, if you want to live your destiny, young adult, if you want to have everything that Jesus has for you, and I don't know about you, but I want to have everything that he has for me and nothing less, and I want nothing that he doesn't want for me. That's what I want in my life. And he says, if you want this, then you have to learn to set your mind because the thoughts, they're not going to stop coming. And in your mind, you can either, it can either be a tool for victory and vision and power, or it can be the thing that absolutely cripples you from having the life you always dreamed about. A mind left unchecked is literally our worst enemy. And maybe for you, this will mean a night without sleep, or maybe it will be a frustrated life where your life isn't what you think and your callings are unrealized. We have to set our minds. My mind is all set. And so I thought we'd travel through a few scriptures tonight and talk about our thought life and talk about our brains. And the first thing that um, I, I think when I read scripture that um, I studied about this week is this, and that our thoughts, your thoughts have potential. Your thoughts have massive potential. Every opportunity that you have in life, every uh, vision that you will get from God, 
Every single thing that he wants to speak to you, um, every single calling that he wants to give to you is going to begin in the bedrock of your mind. Everything begins in your mind. I mean, this is the place where God will begin to birth your dreams is in the bedrock of your imagination. This is the place where you will uh, pray prayers for the very first time of belief and ambition for your lives. This is the place where everything begins for us. There is so much potential up here. Who you will become, the type of character that you will have, your behaviors, it all begins within your mind. Every single bit of it. Everything we become begins up here. And Jesus knows this, and as he preaches to uh, his disciples in the Gospels, he says, your thoughts are like seeds. And planted, they have loads upon loads of potential. Each thought has a potential. Each seed has a potential. And what you plant is the kind of crops that you are going to get. And so if you plant an apple seed, you will get an apple tree. If you plant a cottonwood tree, you know, you will get a giant cottonwood tree that, you know, spurts out cotton everywhere. Like, and we know this, right? We know that what we plant is going to be the types of crops that we get. And Jesus talks about this because he knows that God is going to plant seeds in our minds. And what he is hoping for is that we will be wise enough to encourage those seeds to grow. But here's the deal is that the enemy is well aware and that he wants to plant some seeds or thwart some seeds as well. He knows the potential in your mind that everything that you will become is birthed in here. And so if your calling and your destiny is birthed within your mind, then he hopes he can make it die within your mind as well. And so uh, a couple of things from scripture that the enemy, I believe, does uh, in order to capture your mind, in order to take hold of your mind. Uh, the first thing is this, is that he snatches the seed that God has planted within you. He snatches the seed that God has planted so good within your mind. And we know this from the parable of sower, right? He says, well, you know, the sower goes out and he plants a bunch of seeds. Um, and that some of those seeds get snatched up. And so for you, what this will look like is you will be uh, at church or you'll be in YA or you'll be, you know, listening to a sermon. And God is going to give you a good word. He is going to give you something that is revelatory in your brain. And you will think, my goodness, that's incredible. And then as you are walking out of church, you will get a text message from your deadbeat dad or from an ex-girlfriend, and you will be so frustrated and annoyed that that seed is snatched, just like that. You'll be sitting, reading your Bible one evening, and God will begin speaking about who he wants you to become, about the things that you want, he wants you to do. And then very quietly, a little voice in the back of your head will go, no, you, I mean, callings are for everybody else, you know, but that's not really for you, and it's snatched. Before that seed any, has any chance to take root in your mind, to grow within your mind, the enemy wants to steal your seed. The second thing that he wants to do is he wants to plant some of his own. How many of you know that as able as God is to plant within our minds, Satan is just as able to? That as able as God is, and he is able to plant word after word after good thought after godly thought within our minds, the enemy is just as capable. And he will do his own type of planting. 
Um, I, uh, we lived at a, a townhouse, John and I, when we first got married, and we had this like um, little bitty yard, but I, it was my yard, and I was so proud of it. It was about four feet by four feet, and it was this lush grass that we like took care of really good. We didn't even let the dogs pee on it. We're like, get out of here. And, and it was our grass, right? Like we took really good care of it. And, and we would water it and do the Scots thing to make it really green, right? And, and it would grow, and it was so beautiful. We were growing what we wanted to grow right there. And one day I walk out, right, and there's this little weed. There was like two of them in the corner. And I was like, what is this? And I like Google, Google it, and it's called a Canadian thistle, which I always knew I didn't like Canadians. Um, <laughs> and I'm kidding. I'm Canadian. Um, in part. But seriously, like, I'm Canadian, eh? Like, it's just like, there's my weeds, eh? And so, and so, and so there's these weeds popping up, and they are growing as fast, listen to me, they are growing as fast as my grass. They are growing just as quickly as my grass. As quickly as, 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 as this beautiful, lush bluegrass is growing, these weeds are growing just as quickly. And for as much potential as godly thoughts have in our minds, Demonic and satanic thoughts have the same amount of potential in your mind. These thoughts that are ungodly, these thoughts that are drub, these thoughts that are um, gutter thoughts have the same amount of potential. And so for us, it's all about what we are watering. I mean, some of us tonight... Some of us tonight, you walked in here, and you have um, just these plants within your brain that are not from the Lord. Maybe it's a giant tree of disobedience. Maybe for you, it is a huge plant of pornography. Maybe for you, it's um, lies of um, that you're not loved, you're not good enough, that God is not for you, and they've become like California redwoods within your brains. What is it for you tonight that has been planted that you have allowed to grow. Because I think what Satan is hoping for is that God plants some seeds and that he plants some seeds and then he knows that it's up to us what we water. But I think what the enemy is hoping for is that we'll water his seeds and that we'll focus on how many of you know that whatever you water grows. <laughs> that we will focus on these things that he has planted and make them grow. And so, you know, all of a sudden you're at church and you have a, a moment where you see a friend and you're like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen them in like three months and they haven't like responded to any of my snaps and like, and like, are we even friends anymore? Oh man, at my birthday, like she didn't even pay attention to me. And like, man, I think I hate her now. You know, like, like, and you're just like, you're just like focused on it. Like it's all you can think about. Like it is wrapping up your mind. It is absolutely everything that you can think about. And from morning to night, from, you know, it keeps entering your mind and it has become a tree in your brain because you have spent time watering it. Maybe you have a job and it's an awesome job, but all you can think about is this one little area that you don't like. And so you focus on it and you water it and that thing becomes a tree within your mind. See, God will plant seeds, the enemy will snatch them. The enemy will plant seeds and sometimes we water them and we're just like, this is fine. I'm just going to keep seeing what happens here. We need to tend our minds. We need to tend the garden of our minds because it is a life or death scenario. It is literally having the potential for you to fulfill everything that God wants you to fulfill in this lifetime. Every thought of potential and vision and dream that he wants to plant into your mind or 
the thoughts that the enemy is hoping that take deep, deep root within your mind. Thoughts have potential, young adult. The second thing that I want to point out tonight is that our minds, in a lot of ways, they're already set. That we're going to talk a big game tonight about setting your mind and that Paul talks a big game about setting your mind. But um, in reality, for you and for me, in lots of ways, your mind is already set. And here's what I mean. Scientists now know that um, our biology within our brain, um, that thoughts over time, if you have the same thought over time again and again and again and again, it creates this thing called neuropathways. And from axioms to dendrites, I mean, it creates this, like, uh, road within your brain. And the way that I picture it is kind of like a gutter when you bowl, because I always, like, hit the gutter when I bowl. And, I mean, the moment a thought ends up in there, like, it's got one place it's going to go. Okay? And so there are pathways within our minds. There are things and grooves that are set within our minds. And we have these areas in our minds that are set in godly ways. They are set where Christ is seated. We have neural pathways that are absolutely set where Jesus is seated. Let me give you an example. Um, in my marriage, it is not perfect, okay? But I rarely have a negative thought about my husband. I'm just being honest. I rarely have a negative thought about him. Um, and it's not because he's imperfect or I'm imperfect. I think it is because I took to heart the fact that the Bible says that love t uh, keeps no record of wrongs and that love believes the best about the other person. The love believes the best about others. And so I've always, I mean, for years, I have believed the best about John and he's believed the best about me. And now, listen to me, I barely have to tend that garden anymore. It's a natural response within my life. I have an easy garden in that area of my life. I have a, a godly garden in that area of my life. But then there are areas of our lives where we have ungodly pathways, more like gutters. I mean, have you ever been in a funk? You've been in a, a, a funk for maybe a month or a year, a couple months, and you can't get out of it, and you wake up every morning, and you're like, oh, today's going to be just like yesterday. I mean, I, I don't, you know, I'm going to walk into my school, or I'm going to walk into my group of friends, and there's going to be nothing different. This is my life. No, this is your brain in a pathway. It has a specific gutter, and it is going to take that path every single time. We have some ungodly areas of our lives that we need to do business with. And for every single one of you in here, you have places where you have your mind set on Christ and good for you. But listen to me, every single one of us in here, we have areas of, in our minds that are pure gutter. And God wants us to deal with them because he wants us to have everything that is from him and nothing that is not. So he says this, for your gutters, you have to actually dig them up and fill them in so that we can make a new pathway. He phrases it like this in 2 Corinthians. We demolish arguments. We are demolishing pathways literally within our brain and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. That means that we dig it up, we demolish it. I mean, this is aggressive. I don't know about you, but when I picture taking captive, I picture like, like hog tying. <laughs> we take every thought captive and we say, what do you think about this? 
Dr. Caroline Leaf says this, our mind is designed to control the body of which the brain is a part. Do you understand that? That your brain, your will, I'm sorry, your mind and will controls your brain. Does that make sense? Your mind, your will, your ability to choose controls your brain, not the other way around. She says, our brain, which we are a part, not the other way around. Matter does not control us, we control matter through thinking and choosing. We cannot choose the events or the circumstances of life, but we can control our reactions. In fact, we can control our reactions to anything, and in doing so, we literally change our brains. It's not easy, it's hard work, um, but it can be done through our thoughts and through our choices about our thoughts. It takes effort to demolish strongholds and to make every thought obedient to Christ, which I think is why a whole lot of us don't do it, right? It's, It's just hard. I mean, it would be easier to just stare at that thing on the computer again. It would be easy to not take that thought captive and make it obedient to Christ because then, you know, I mean, it's easier to feel sorry for ourselves about that area of our lives. I mean, if we were to really, like, renew our minds in this area, then we can no longer be victims about it. And I like my gutter, thank you, you know. I mean, it's like a warm, cozy blanket of nastiness, but at least it's ours. We are comfortable with it. It takes effort to reset our minds. But here's the reality. Is that what, that's what God wants for me. And that's what he wants for you tonight. You can set, and sometimes that means resetting, your mind. Paul says set your mind, but sometimes, young adult, this means resetting your mind. It means demolishing the old and putting on the new. It means doing business with that tree and planting something new. He says this immediately after he says, set your sights on things above. He says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs in your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in those ways and the life you once lived. Once upon a time, you and I weren't Christians, and we looked so much different than we do now. Do you believe that as a Christian, you should look different than you did before? Because now you are in Christ. You have all of the attributes of Christ. You have the life of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. This is your reality. And Paul is like, get your thoughts where he is. He says, now, But now, because you are in Christ, but now, you must rid yourselves of all things, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, amen, from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self and uh, its practices, and put on a new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Paul says, remember, you have died, and your life is now hidden with Christ, seated next to God. So act like it. Take off the old and put on the new. Take off the old and put on the new. It's like a makeover. Um, I love shows with makeovers. I love America's Next Top Model when they do makeovers. I love it. I love Biggest Loser. And um, on Biggest Loser, I mean, these people will lose 10 pounds, 20 pounds, 30 pounds. They will lose 100 pounds. And they quite literally look like completely different people. I mean, you look at them and you wouldn't even recognize them. They look completely different. They are completely uh, just, just, just beautiful and ravishing and, and alive. And their their cheeks are pink and like they're just so happy. Like you can see it in them. It's amazing. 
It's a cry almost every episode. It's absolutely amazing. And they get about halfway through, and if you make it halfway through, you get to go to the makeover stage. And this is where they cut your hair, and they fit you with new clothes, because none of your old clothes fit you anymore. Amen? None of your old clothes fit you anymore. And they get fit in these new clothes, and they get a new haircut, and they get their makeup done. And how silly would it be if they were like, um, I actually liked, I don't know what size, you know, but my size 27 jeans. Like, how silly would that be? We would look at them, and we would say, what are you thinking? Like, you are a new person now. Wear some new clothes. And yet, this is how we approach sometimes our life in Christ. We are a new, I am a new woman in Christ. But I hold on to my old thoughts like they're a jacket that I used to love 20 years ago. And we cuddle up with it, right? We have a relationship with our old thoughts. We are familiar with our old thoughts and our old ways. And Paul says, no, 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 you better be careful. It is a new makeover. It is a new you, which means a new set of thoughts. And so you need to let go. It says this in Isaiah. It says, let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Forsake is a relational term. And so if you are going to forsake something, it means you need to be in relationship with it. If I'm going to forsake somebody in here, you know, like, Susie, you're in the back, and I'm like, oh, hey, Susie, I forsake you, right? <laughs> like, that means that we were like friends, and I rejected her, right? When you get married, you say, I forsake all others. When I got married to John, I say, I'm forsaking all others, meaning any man that I ever looked at in the past, I will never look at again. I forsake you. I, I reject you. That's what I say. I reject you. And... God says this, he says, let the unrighteous forsake their ways and the unrighteous forsake their thoughts. Some of us in here tonight, we need to have a breakup with our thoughts. You need to have a breakup with your victim mentality and your pessimism. You need to have a, like, you need to just be like, look, it's not you, it's me. Um, it's been fun. But I don't think it's going to work out anymore. You need to have a breakup with self-pity, a breakup with I'm not good enough tonight. And then we need to put on the new. Amen. We need to put on our new clothes that God has bought for us with his blood. We need to put something on tonight, not tomorrow, tonight. He says this, having put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of his creator. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves in compassion, kindness, humility. Who doesn't want to hang out with somebody like this? Gentleness, patience, bear with each other and forgive one another. And if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over, over all of these virtues, put on love because love binds them together in perfect unity. Paul says, you are a new woman. You are a new man. And so you take off the old and you put on the new because that's who you are now. And the last thing is this. You become what you believe. And band, you guys can come back out here. You become what you believe. In Matthew 9, there's a story about Jesus and two blind men. 
And um, in this story, um, the blind men come to him and they're like, Jesus, we need healing. We would like to receive sight. We've heard that you're the guy. Can you heal us? And Jesus looks at him, and, and you guys know this. I mean, this was kind of his posture sometimes. But he said, um, do you believe that I can heal you? What do you think about me, blind men? What is your belief about me? Better yet, what is your belief about my capability in you? Better yet, blind man, what do you think I can do in your life? What kind of God do you think I am for you? What kind of God do you think I am through you? What kind of God do you think, what, what kind of miracles do you think I can do in your life? What kind of newness do you think I want to put in your life? What do you believe, blind man? And they look at him and they say, we believe that you are absolutely capable of healing us. And he says this to them. He touched their eyes and he said, become what you believe. Become what you believe, and it happened, and they saw. Everything that you and I will become, that I will become, that we will become in this lifetime is based on our beliefs. We become what we believe. We become what we believe. The potential in your life and in my life is banking on my ability to do business up here. The potential in our lives, in my life, in your life, is resting on your ability to tend your garden. The thoughts are not going to stop. You are going to have thought after thought after thought after thought. 70,000 thoughts a day, 400 billion creative moments within your mind in a day. The thoughts aren't going to stop. And he's like, you have to figure out how to have self-control enough to do some business up here. Because for every single person in here, you have so many godly thoughts. But there is no one in here guaranteed that is walking out like perfectly like, well, I don't got no trees. I don't got no weeds in my garden. Like, no. Like, you got some trees. You got some weeds. And he's like, you have to do business. Your potential of your life is riding on this. You will become what you believe. Dr. Caroline Leaf, the same person that, uh, from the earlier quote, she said that quite literally your brain changes as you make choices about what you believe. I mean, that's wild. That's wild. That you, the matter in your brain actually shifts. She says when you have hope, this, this is insane, but I was reading a part. It says when you have hope, your brain actually like transfigures and transforms. The moment you have a hope in anything, anything. Man, I have hope I'm gonna have a chicken sandwich later. Your brain's like, sweet. And it start, starts making these, it starts making these awesome pathways, neural pathways. Not necessarily towards a chicken sandwich, but listen to me, towards hope. How beautiful is that? The moment you have a hope about anything. You might have walked in tonight and you might be hopeless about who you are, what you're capable of, who God is through you and to you and in you. And I just came here, to, I, this is the only reason I think he wants you here tonight, is he wants you to know that if you will try to reset, he will be right there with your potential, giving you seed after seed after seed like you would not believe. She says this about the moment that we transfix our brains and the capability that we have to set our minds. She says, research shows that about 87% of illnesses can be attributed to your thought life. Approximately 13%, so the other portion of it, to diet, genetics, and environment. We spend so much time trying to figure out if we're gluten-free, dairy-free. We need to figure out our brains. 
Studies conclusively link more chronic diseases, also known as lifestyle diseases, to this epidemic of toxic emotions in our culture. You become what you let grow in your brain. Your brain becomes what you let grow. Your body becomes what you let grow. We have no idea, church. This is Satan's biggest ruse. We have no idea the power within our minds. And if tonight we would, we would begin to believe in a new and a fresh way, we would become a new and a fresh person. Proverbs says this, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks, so he becomes. Thoughts create beliefs and beliefs create actions. This is how your thoughts become your ways. This is how your thoughts become your life. And so if you wanna change your life tonight, and I don't know about you, but there is areas of my life tonight, I want change. If you wanna change your life tonight, then change your mind. If you wanna change your life tonight, then it is time to change your mind. God is preparing callings in here. He is preparing destinies in here. He is preparing you for what he has for you in the future and the things that he wants you to do in his kingdom. And the way that he is going to do it is by renewing your mind. Romans 12 says this, do not conform anymore to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by demoing and redoing and demoing and redoing and navigating things back to Christ. God builds the kind of persons that he wants, not by giving you the perfect circumstance. I mean, I can think of all of the people in the Bible that I admire, David and Abraham. They were not giving perfect circumstances. They were given opportunities to renew their mind. This is how he creates people that change the world. People in their 20s, they're always obsessed about what's my call. Like, we're always thinking, well, what's my call? Like, what am I called to do? Where's, who am I supposed to marry? What's my, you know, what am I supposed to do? Do you, do you have a place for me, God? Do you have a, a thing you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Romans 12 says this. He says, God says, I want you to reset your mind. Do not conform anymore to this pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, everybody say then, you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is for your life. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And in Romans, Paul, uh, he uses this word, and he says, you need to, now that you've been raised with Christ, you need to reckon your old life is dead, and you need to reckon your new life in Christ as being reality. And this word uh, reckon is logizeki. Uh, Those, I'm not even gonna try, it's Greek. Um, I feel so stupid right now, why did I even write that down? I can't pronounce it, it's fine. Um, the word reckon means to count or compute, to consider as being, to regard, to rely on confident with expectancy, confidently with expectancy. And he says, everything that God says about you, about who you are in Christ, you need to reckon that as reality. You need to take off the old and you need to put on the new. And so if everybody could stand tonight. God wants you to understand that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. He wants you to reckon this is truth. He wants your old life done away with and the fact that you are a new creation. You need to reckon this as reality. You are wise and restored. This is 1 Corinthians 1-3. Uh, you are God's masterpiece. You are in Christ and Christ is in you. You are a sanctified saint in Jesus. You are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. You are holy and blameless. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are a co-heir with Christ. 
You are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. You have been raised up and are seated now at the right hand of Christ. You can do all things and or endure any circumstance through Christ who strengthens you. We begin to reckon these as true. And then it says this in the Bible, you have the mind of Christ. Everything that he thinks, you can think. Everything that he believes, you can believe. You have the mind of Christ tonight. And I think tonight, I think that I am believing so firmly in, in, in my expectancy and my prayer for you that tonight he wants to take so many people to new levels. He wants to take you to a new level in your life tonight, in your calling tonight. He wants you to take, take you to a new level in your ministry tonight. But the way that he is going to do that is by taking your thoughts to a new level tonight. And so we need to renew it tonight, church. He is with you. He is for you. He is renewing our minds tonight. My mind is all set. And so if every head would bow, God, I thank you so much for every single person in here. I thank you for our minds. God, I pray that every single person would take a step out in faith tonight and they would begin to um, demolish strongholds, demolish the areas of unbelief, demolish the areas where they feel not good enough, the lies that maybe the devil has spoken over them, that they don't measure up, that they can never be enough, that favor is for everybody else and isn't for them. God, I pray that you would demolish those in Jesus' name by their choosing and by their will and that they would take off the old and put on the new, that they would raise their thoughts to where you are. God, that you are seated at the right hand of Christ and that we would raise our thoughts, raise our thoughts to where you are, that we would no longer believe the things that we have been told, the things that we have been, that have been spoken over us, our life messages that are absolute gutter beliefs, that we would dig up those trees tonight and that we would move from death to life, from mourning to dancing, that there would be no person in here that walks out anymore feeling not good enough, not saved enough, not assured enough, not hopeful enough, that he is in you, that he is through you, that he is for you, that he has good things. And listen to me, that he has potential in you. And tonight he wants to unleash it in a new way. He's gonna do it in a new way. But tonight you need to open up your minds. You need to say, God, I'm tearing down strongholds and I'm receiving your truth tonight. And so we say it, we pray it, we believe it. And if you would worship tonight, I'm believing that he is going to do a miracle in here, church. An absolute miracle in our minds, in our souls, and in our hearts. This is why we come to church. This is why. This is why. Because we don't want what the world has to offer. We want everything that God has and nothing that he doesn't. We need new. Do you agree? I need new. Let's ask for it, church. What are, you, are you going with me? Let's go, church. Are you with me? Come on, church. Are you with me? Death to life. Ask for it tonight. In Jesus' name, I love you. Amen. Let's worship.